And today is just really looking at the basics of digital marketing and just kind of the core ways you can, your brand can be found online and you can start to attract some business through your social media, through your website and um, other digital channels. Optimizing your website. So people's first impression, people normally spend five to 15 seconds on a site before they switch off. So it's about getting the core information there as, um, as clear as you can, and then ways to engage them to keep them on your site. Then I'll look at some productivity tools, just briefly, just things that you might find useful to kind of um, improve your marketing. Very, very basic SEO. And then just a brief look at keywords and how you can kind of be niche and find some keywords that are relevant for your for what you're offering. So in the first kind of 10, 15 seconds, someone's on the site, you want them to be able to look at your navigation so they understand kind of how your site works. Maybe an, an image that's emotive and descriptive, um, a, a one-liner that explains what you do, and a call to action. So that's a way for them to engage with you. So for example, this is mine. It's a bit uh, marketing business heavy, but you can see top middle, you've got your navigation. So straight away, uh, most people go from top left and they work across to the right. So you've got my brand, navigation, socials. Underneath, you've got the strap line and the call to action. But I, I do think this might be a bit much for like a, a therapist. So I found a, an example of um, a psychotherapist locally. So you can see there, top left, you've got the menu again. Top left is the main, the main place to have your menu or your first engagement. A nice clear image. This is more of a, a calm, like calming, soothing image. Then you've got the introduction strap line. And she's got this contact me hyperlinked here. And obviously saying that you can uh, have a free telephone conversation free of charge. Just a way just to get someone to just give you a call or get in touch straight away. And then once, if you've got their attention, you can see they're staying on, on, the, on the site. It's worth having an about page that shows, shows your strengths and your experience. Obviously for therapists, it's about the accreditations you've got, the years of practice and all these other things you can use to build up a story for yourself. You then look at your services. So if you offer multiple services um, or you maybe have a therapy center or you work with other people, that'd be a chance to like break out everything that you offer so they can pick and choose what works for them. Um, I'm a big believer in giving out free information. So <clears throat> these, these power hours and everything I do is around giving out resources and guides. And Sarah's going to touch uh, more on blogging as well and the, the benefit of having copy. And then finally, it's important to have a separate contact page. So as well as having a contact option on your homepage, just having a, a clear form and links on a contact page so people can get in touch with you. You want to make it as clear easy and kind of user friendly as possible to make so that people won't drop off and um, maybe get confused uh, there's two kind of core productivity tools that i use and that a lot of people i work with love first one's trello and that's like um, it's like a post-it note style um, messages and then the second one is pocket and pocket is a way for you to store information and let's like bookmarks it's an advanced bookmark so you can see um save things for later use. So if we have a look here, this is Trello. And it works again, like a kind of post-it notes. So you can have, if you want to have website ideas, marketing ideas, social ideas, and then you can just copy and paste uh, examples that you found or links or even images and videos in there, 
just so you can come back later and you can um if you're say uh, monday morning trying to get some ideas you can use this as a nice way to get you into the flow of working get your marketing going you can also move things around to prioritize them and as you can see here you can set reminders so if you wanted to say do a weekly thursday social post you can set a reminder and even create yourself a little like a cheat sheet or a hint and this is a really nice easy way of just organizing your work just so Thea, can i just check this is a separate website that people create an account for is that right yeah, Trello's an app. So it's, uh, you create an account online and then it works on your phone, your tablet and your desktop. So if someone was starting out, like just improving their website, it could be used as a good place to just store images you like, store things that you want to go back and cover. Definitely. And, even, and especially like the colours for your site and the text, all of these um, elements of your site, you can start to store them here just so you can come back to them. Is it possible to use this to store all the stuff you want for your website? And then, because I think a lot of therapists would like to other people to build the website for them. So could this be used just to put everything on that you want on your website and then get somebody else to build your website from what you put in here? Yeah, so I've done that. I've created boards for clients and then I send them a link to that board and then they just throw in their inspirations. And then it's like, it's live shared. So whenever they make an update, it's automatically updated everywhere so that the, the designer can have all of everything like on the fly, basically. Um, and again, it's a free piece of software. There is a pro, but there's no reason at all to use the pro account. And you get a lot of features, so it can uh, it can work with Google Chrome, and there's lots of extra things that you can use to make it make it work for you. Uh, for example, here you've got this ad share to Trello. So anything on my mobile, I can instantly add to my Trello board with just one click, rather than having to open the app. Mm -hmm. um, and Pat's, Pat's saying in the comments that he uses this for his website guy. So this is something that, yeah, seems to be used for this a lot. Are you able to send us a link of the recording after this? Yeah, or so um, there's the, the recording, the audio, and this presentation will be sent out to subscribers. And I can also send it direct to you as well. But it will take um, a couple, about a week or so for me to send it out. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend Trello. Next Friday, we're actually doing a whole session on Trello just going through how to use it and how to optimize it for yourself. So, uh, so not just for designing your site, but as like a long-term plan as well. And the other one is Pocket. So that is, it's an, again, it's an app that you've registered for on a website, but it then sits on your Google, Google Chrome. So up in, next to your search bar, you have a little Pocket button and anything you like the look of, you can save and come back to later. And also, if, you're, if you don't always want to look at the screen, uh, these pocket articles can be read out. They have like quite a decent voice that can read it out to you, say if you want to have your headphones and go for a run or anything. And you can like absorb the information in any way that you want. Um, and you can tag these uh, by, say, for social, for marketing, for personal. So it's another way of just pulling information from the internet to, use for, uh, to get a bit of inspiration. Any questions on kind of pocket in Trello or is that? Perfect. And then looking at um, kind of basic SEO, I'm not sure if you, if people are using WordPress or Wix or Squarespace, um, but my, my personal favorite is WordPress and they have kind of plugins that can do the basics of SEO for you. So what this means is that once you've created your site, once you've got your information, you can give it to Google so that when people search for 
a psychotherapist in Ealing or um, a linguistic therapist, whoever it will be in whatever location, it will make you more likely to be found uh, on Google without having to pay for ads. So it's just a way for you to get some uh, free, basically free promotion and try and drive people to your site. So for WordPress, I'd recommend Yoast and RankMath. If you're on Wix, uh, they have a built-in Wix SEO like wizard. And I've actually got this link here. I might, I'll send this to you in the chat because this will give you a walkthrough for anyone on Wix. And I know that uh, some people are on Squarespace. So they have a very similar thing on Squarespace under marketing. There's like an SEO guide. And with these, you don't, you don't have to have any skills. You just literally go from one to 10, just follow what they say. And it will, it will just improve your ranking on Google. Um, can I just say, I'm with Gandhi. Uh, would that be similar to Wix or Squarespace, do you know? Uh, I've only used Gandhi once a long time ago. Uh, they do have something inbuilt, um, but I'd have to, we'll have to have a look on, on YouTube for you and see. Oh, see okay. I can have a look. Okay, thank you. That's yeah, if you, if you just type in uh, Gandhi SEO wizard or SEO tool, it will show you how to do it for your builder. If you haven't built a site yet, then I'd seriously recommend WordPress just because in the long run, it's generally a bit cheaper uh, and it has a lot more features as well. Um, but with Google Business, I don't know if any of you have got a Google Maps result, if any of you have set up a Google Business result. Yeah, I have. Um, and it's, a, I don't know if you know, but you can actually add videos and images and every week you can add a new post. So if you, if you are creating content or if you have an update or a, a special offer or something to shout about, you can put that on Google Business and it will push that out for you on your Google Maps result. So if someone searched for um, therapist in Brentford, it would then show your maps location, your images, your, your, all your reviews if you have created any, and then your content as well. Um, the Power Hour 4, which I can send you a link to, goes through Google Business from start to finish. So again, if, if you do need a hand with that, just uh, let me know and I'll send you a link to that as well. And basic SEO, um, I've, we actually did, the last week we did a full SEO tutorial. As it, today's more of a recap, um, you can see here that for every page, every page should have its own title and description. And then you should make sure that your images all have a name behind them. So if you're uploading an image of your suite or of yourself, it's always worth to say your name and maybe your company name or what the image is about. And this will help Google to understand your website. So um, if any of you are, are on Google, if you type in your company name, you might start to see images, images attached to that. And that's because you've been using this alt text. And it's just something, uh, something to think about. Um, and again, this link up here I've created, which goes into more detail. Um, and that will tell you step by step how to do kind of the basics of SEO for your site. Uh, we're also going into more detail for SEO later, but it's quite a complex topic. So we're just trying to break it up into small kind of manageable chunks. Um, but to be fair, if you cover these four things, you're doing more than most people. So a lot, of, a lot of people I work with, they might start their titles and then not carry on. If you, if you spend the time to just go through and update these, it really be worth it for you in the long run. Can you just share with people what the internal links are? Because people who were here last time probably won't know that. And that's one of the easiest things I think to do. Okay. So yeah, if you um, have your website on your homepage, you might link to your contact page or you might 
you may write uh, a piece of content about de-stressing during lockdown or whatever the topic would be. And when you link from one page on your site to another page, it's called an internal link. And then when you link to an external site, so if you reference psychology today or um, an accredited body or something like that, that would be an external link because you're linking externally. And just in case you want to take it a bit further, a backlink is when someone links to you. So it really internal is on your site, external is outbound, and a backlink is an inbound link. Um, we're going to cover those in separate sessions in, in a lot more detail. And then everyone kind of gets a bit confused, I'm not really sure, but keyword is basically just a search term. Um, so for me, I'm a digital marketing consultant, so I, I have various keywords on my site related to marketing SEO website. For you, it might be CBT training or binge eating or any of the, the things that people would naturally search for on Google. You would want to take those keywords and put those on your site. Um, let's have a look. It would, it would, every kind of three months, Google will kind of crawl your site and try and understand uh, what, the, what your site is, is about. And that's what the keywords are used for. Um, each page should have a specific keyword. So maybe you're about, and all of your blogs and articles, try and have a different focus keyword for each page. And then obviously when you're blogging and any website copy, it's important to think about them. And it's, again, that's something that Sarah's gonna to touch on afterwards. Um, but there is a really good free tool with Google Ads. You have something called the Keyword Planner. So if you type in any, any keyword of your choice, it will show you all of the kind of the derivatives and the other options you can use. Um, and it's important to think about how, how high the competition is. If you're just typing for, say, therapy in general, you're going to be facing millions and millions of other people with the same keyword. If you break it down and you look at a specific angle of your business and see if you have a page for um, child mental health or whatever it's going to be, really try and be as specific as possible. Um, and that will, and using uh, the search terms, that will allow you to be found as well. And it just quick exit. Any questions, uh, just email me. And then obviously next week we'll be looking at Trello and possibly Pocket as well. So I'm now going to um, just see if there's any questions in the chat. Okay, perfect. Um, I'm just going to stop the share. And if any of you got any questions, just let me know. Thank you so much. So the um, SEO talk that you're doing, I'm, I'm a bit gutted I missed it actually. Um, those are available on your website. Uh, it's, I've actually put up a link just now uh, for you guys, uh, the one that you saw, the simple SEO. I'll put it in the chat as well. When you say put up a link, where, where would I find so it? If you take what I've just put in the chat, theoruby.com oh. forward slash simple hyphen SEO. Oh, yeah, and that will give you the presentation from last week. Um, but it does, because it, it does take me a week or two to edit the videos and have the full page. So the full thing will be live probably next week. Um, and we're actually doing two more of those. So we're doing one on keywords and one on backlinks. So if you like the first one, there'll be some more detailed ones as well. Cool. Lauren's asking what the benefits of linking and backlinking are. Just increased traffic? Um, not just increased traffic, but it's also building up your domain authority. If you've got a second, I'll just show you something else 
a little tip uh, for anyone who is interested. Um, I'm just going to pull up the stats one second. So there's a lot of uh, free and paid tools online for your SEO. Um, if you do want to get involved, this neilpatel.com is incredible. I use this for basically everything. And it will show you your domain score and your backlinks and the links in your site. So if you have um, good quality pages with links from your home to your about and your contact and vice versa, it makes Google trust you more. And it means that when people go to your site, they have a better experience. And then if you're linking out, if you're so on some of my articles, I'll link to HubSpot, I'll link to Neil Patel, and I'll, I'll reference other sites to give people more information. And given those backlinks, uh, again, it, it's not only helping the user, but it's helping Google as well. Um, and it's just a way to, for, people, for people and for um, Google to build up more of a, a picture of what you offer. Because obviously you can't cover everything, so it's important to, to point people in the right direction when you need to as well. Uh, they also have a free site audit here and you can use so if you go to neilpatel.com type in your your domain click uk and then click site audit it will tell you everything on your site that could be improved uh, your speeds everything else and that is just a really nice quick way of understanding more about your site especially when, when you're doing it live for the first time does that I mean, I, I know there's a lot on this, but if, uh, does that kind of make sense just to go to site audit there? I'm guessing um, for a lot of people, they might look at this and get their scores, but not really know how to read it. I mean, that's, so the main thing is I'll say to someone, go to the site and then just send me or send someone else the information and I can kind of help to explain it for you. So it uh, depends on how involved people do want to get. But for example, you can see your page speed. So that's how quickly someone can access your site. And then it will show you, um, Google has a thing about word count. So it's important, especially on your homepage, to have at least kind of 500 words. And this will just, it will show you um, what you can improve, what you can do. And if you click on everything, it will give some more detail and explain uh, on these question marks here, how to actually act on what they're telling you. I'm just going to check the chat quickly. I think there's something else just come in. Yeah, Pat's yeah. asked. Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, that is completely free. So you can, um, to get more information, you can log in using a Google account, but it's still a free account. Um, and then there's also a paid option as well. Um, but I've never, again, I'd never pay for this. There's so many SEO tools and website tools online. Um, you can see here, so there is a paid option, but you don't need to at all. Everything you can see here is completely free. Uh, for example, if I look at keywords, um, just give me two seconds. Well, Lou had a question about keywords, which might tie in here. She's mm -hmm. asking if there's a variety or frequency or amount of keywords that's optimum. Uh, so it's kind of like, um, I'm going to resume the share. Um, if you put, thousands of keywords and if it's clear that you're just they call it keyword stuffing if you use too many then it's not ideal and google will actually mark you down but all of the the wizards that i mentioned so your yoast or your wix or your squarespace wizard will tell you when and where to use keywords 
Um, I'm just going to move this out of the way and show you. So the import, there's very important places. Um, obviously, in your strap line, where you would have digital, so for me, digital marketing is my main keyword. And then as you go down the page, this is called the first fold. So when you open the site, before you scroll down is your first fold. And you should try and have at least three keywords in this section here. And then for every title, should also be a keyword. And you, uh, when you're creating it, like, like in Word, when you have H1, H2, you would try and add your keywords in your H1, your H2s, and your H3s on your website. Again, this um, I can send you some YouTube links to go into more detail. And also the wizards built into your, your website builder will show you as well. One second. Um, and, and then if you can try and look to do copy. So you can see here, as I mentioned, all the guides that are here. So if any of you want to look at the Google business, they're all here. But every keyword has been added to each title. So that's the best way to make use of your keywords. So just to clarify, having the keywords in the title is your best bet as opposed to in the text where they're not as visible. Uh, you'd have it in both. So you'd have it in the title, front and center, and then in, in the paragraphs as well. But you just have to kind of, the most important thing is to make um, the copy make sense. So you just want to add them where it's relevant. So I'd probably look to have a minimum of, say, four different keywords per page. Any other questions on that or shall I hand over to Sarah? No, so I don't know if you want to uh, one, share your there screen is now. One thing I could mention to you, uh, Theo. Mm -hmm. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I've noticed that, um, especially with WordPress, some of the old templates, they show the A1H tag as the title was your name mm -hmm. normally. So normally what you would try to do is remove that and move the H1 to be your first type, your first keyword tag. Mm. And then your second one, H2, H3 as you go through your web page. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I think with, uh, I use rank math and that actually pulls it out. So it will, it will remove the, the H1 from the page title. Yeah. As you choose the one, um, I just very, well, for anyone who is on WordPress, I can just very quickly show you. Just two, I'm just uh, loading it up two seconds. And again, this will be the same, pretty much the same for Squarespace and Wix, but just slightly, yeah, yeah. slightly less detail. Uh, one second. So I'm just showing you, this is uh, the page I did for Canva. And you've got this SEO option here. And you can see here, you get a rating out of 100. So you pick your focus keyword. And then as you go down, it'll, it'll ask you to put in your H1 as the title. So for every page when you create it, it will ask you to select that. And that will mean that um, when, when Google searches your site, it knows what your, what your page is about. So if I you think a lot of people won't know what H1 to H6 is. So what's the difference with those different numbers? Um, it's the same as if you're doing a Word document, it's the order of priority. So H1 is the title for the whole document. Your H2 is your subheading, your H3 is your less important subheadings. So you'd only ever have one H1 but then you could have multiple. So each of these ones here would all be H2s. So there'd be multiple subheadings. 
Um, I mean, the, the real priority really is just to get your H1. If you're, do, if you're doing your H2s and your H3s, that's amazing. But really, it's just going for each page and then selecting the most important title and then starting to, to put in your subtitles and your less important titles further down. Uh, just something in the chat quickly. That's great. Anything else on just basic SEO? I know there's a lot there, um, but if you yeah, take the Neil Patel link and I'll send you the link for the other SEO presentation as well. Um, but it's just make the site clean, make it easy to, easy to follow and try and have an appropriate title for each page. Cool. So yeah, Sarah, if you wanna share your screen and start the next section. Sure. I just wanted to start off by asking whether anybody here, any of the therapists have had any clients contact them from social media? From Instagram and from Facebook. Who was that? Sorry, I didn't see who was speaking then. Sam. Oh, hi, Sam. <laughs> You've had from Instagram and on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is anybody else? I've had people through Facebook and then the Google businesses um, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. It's one of those things for me when I first started using social media, it probably took about four or five months before I really got started getting a few inquiries coming through. Um, and now it's a lot more inquiries coming through. So I think. The first thing to say is it's almost like a little bit of a long game at times with social media, but there are some really quick wins as well. So if you're someone who's just thinking, I don't want to spend a whole load of time creating content, um, there are ways to kind of get around that, that hopefully will, um, you know, put you in good stead to pick up some clients. Just. Uh, Sarah, what about um, the company called Bark? Um, so Bark, you will... <laughs> You will find a lot of therapists not very keen on Bark um, yeah. with their business model because you end up with, so I think it's a personal choice. Some therapists do quite well out of Bark, but on the Facebook pages, there's often a bit of a debate about it. And a lot of people just don't like their business model that you've got somebody who's potentially in a lot of distress and vulnerable. And then yeah. you've got a load of therapists contacting them all kind of like vying for their business. Mm -hmm. You know, it just for a lot of people feels a little bit, um, kind of unpleasant so okay. there's a bit of a sense of this and, and Bark they don't they're not a therapy company so there's they don't really know how to kind of dish out referrals in a way that really protects a potential client that's so, good to know mm. I mean when I first started I did use Bark once and I got the free credits and I picked up a couple of clients out of it but it's not it's not one of my preferences now but okay just a comment yeah. on Bark, actually. So I used it again when I first started. Uh, that's how I met Claudette, the psychotherapist. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not as good for lead gen as it is for just general SEO. So it's for me, I created the account and then I turned off the notifications and I don't use it to get any work. I just use it because they, they actually work hard for you to, to build your rankings on Google. So they pull in all my images, all of my copy, my services, and they build like a clear picture because they want to rank themselves. So if you're struggling with your SEO, it might be worth just using them for that purpose. Without... Oh, what, to help? Is that, sorry, is that to help your SEO, uh, yeah, you're saying, Theo? Because they, they will always, they pull everything of my whole online picture together and they try and rank themselves. But by okay. doing that, they help me as well. 
So um, especially for the location and for all of my specialisms. So the enterprise network, I got ranked higher just because that was listed on Bark. Mm -hmm. That's a really good tip actually, you know. But again, you, you have the option to go into notifications, turn that off, don't worry about the credits, just use them to your own advantage. So would you pay for that? Part of no, not that? at all. That's, That's completely free. free. Um, but they, again, they do try and email you a lot. That's why I'd say definitely go in and turn off every email notification on there. You'll never need to touch it again. You just start with a, a profile and leave it at that. Okay. So being a therapist on social media can be a little bit of a minefield at times. And I think a lot of therapists think, well, being on social media just means creating a lot of content and hoping that people see that content and then want to potentially come and work with you as a client. But it's not just about creating posts. It's about engaging with people in the online world, creating and being part of communities. So a lot more therapists and counsellors are more open to doing this now, now that our in-person community activity has been halted. Suddenly we're looking at online as even more of a way to be part of the community. So bearing this in mind, who would your communities be on social media? So for me, I think that I have three communities on social media. One is other therapists. That's a big part of my communities. Another, uh, other practitioners who specifically work with binge eating and um, body image, because that's my niche. There's a lot of nutritionists out there. There's a lot of coaches out there. There's a lot of influencers out there that basically have a similar message to I, as I do. So I've created these or become part of these communities and these networks online of people that are on the same mission as me. And then lastly, of my potential client pool, it's the people who are struggling with binge eating and body image. So it's worth considering that, you know, it's not about going on social media and putting a load of stuff out there and, and casting your net really wide and hoping that you might land a fish. It's about like, where are the areas? Because if they're your communities and they're areas that interest you, you will feel engaged and connected. And I have people that I'm in contact with like online and on each other's posts that I feel like I really know. It's a different relationship than what we have in person, but there's still an opportunity to create those connections. And quite often as counselors and therapists, that's what we're quite good at is building these connections. So as part of that, like again, this just throwing content out there and hoping that you're gonna get a request to work with you. This idea, especially when you're starting out, is to interact with anybody who shows any interest in what it is that you're putting out there. Because those people that start to engage with your content in the early days, they're the people that are gonna be potentially quite loyal. They're also the people who are likely to reshare your stuff if you're saying something that really resonates with them. So I find it just lovely to like interact with people that are actually interested in what it is that I'm putting out there. And I think self-disclosure, this is a big one and this is one where I think a lot of therapists kind of bristle a bit at being online because we tend to be more of a quite a private bunch when it comes to our personal lives. And every time you express an opinion about anything, even in the room with a client, that's an element of self-disclosure. And there's not many of us that are doing none of it. So it's not about, okay, well, I'm on social media. That means I'm supposed to share my life, but it's about, taking some time to reflect like what are you comfortable with sharing so i i personally i don't share anything about my family um or my friends um i don't share 
I don't share my food. That's a really big one for me just because of the area that I'm in. But what I do share, I, I share some of my opinions on this and I share a little bit about my own experience and my own struggle with um, eating and body image. Um, but it's quite contained. So some people might look at it and think, wow, she's sharing a lot. But it's really a very small area of my life that I'm sharing. And then I go into it in a little bit more depth. So this one, I think, is such an individual question for every therapist to ask, like, what is it that you want, are willing to share? And this is another one that, that will start to come up. Is people sending you private messages or direct messages on social media? Um, quite often, the main ones I have are people asking for advice. So I know some therapists that on their social media, they have a line saying, I don't answer direct messages. Um, and I have like a few templates actually that I've started to use now where I will talk about how I can't give out personalized advice because I'm a therapist and that gives us a certain amount of like authority online when we're talking about people's lives and decisions that they might make about their mental health. So I have just some standard replies, but then I try to at the bottom, I always try and direct them to some other resources. So quite often if they're asking me a question about so I had one the other day where someone asked me a question about should they count calories? So rather than responding and trying to give my opinion about whether this person should count calories or not, I said to her, I'll do a post on it. And this is when you start getting that kind of interaction from people with people commenting and asking you questions, that then dictates what you can talk about. Because once you get a little audience, they will start to tell you the kinds of things they want to see. And you'll see similar questions coming up again and again. So in terms of like running out of content ideas, a lot of the time, like the people who are already engaging with your content, they'll be the ones that give you the information about what to post about next. And of course, there's a consideration which platform to use when it comes to social media, but the main ones being Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and TikTok is the new one. I think when we talk about social media, a lot of people think, oh, I should be doing everything. And great, if you want to do everything, then do. But this can take up some time. So I would say like, you know, what are your favorites? Where are the places that you like to engage? If your clients are the kinds of, I don't know, people who are more likely to be on LinkedIn, if, you were, if your clients were looking at like stress in the workplace or something like that, maybe LinkedIn would be your go-to. For me, Instagram's my go-to because when I'm working with eating and body image issues, that's where they are, they're all on Instagram. Twitter's not one I use. I don't understand how Twitter works, but if you're comfortable with Twitter, why not start there? You can always branch out to other ones if you want to spread it, but like find something that you like using because if you don't like doing this stuff, you don't find a way to actually get anything yourself out of it, even if it's just a sense of satisfaction sometimes, then it will be quite hard to keep up. It's just going to become another chore. And to be honest, if I was talking to a, a therapist who wasn't on social media now, I would say consider TikTok if you can bear it. Because it's one of the newer ones, I can guarantee that is the place where there are the fewest therapists already. So I joined Instagram about a year and a half ago. There were quite a few therapists on Instagram then, but since then it's exploded. So when there's a new social media platform like this that's becoming really popular, you know, watch the trend and consider like, and if you don't know how to use these as well, because I can't go into each one individually, whenever I don't know how to do something online, 
YouTube is the go-to place. Just go to YouTube, put in like how to use TikTok for business and you'll find a video with a couple of hundreds of thousands of views, whatever that might be. And then you know it's a good video with good content and um, just see what other people are saying about it before you make a decision. So I'm gonna just touch briefly on Facebook and Instagram because these tend to be like the biggies. And so some of the advantages, for example, of Facebook is that you already know the basics and people spend a lot of time on Facebook. In February 2020, they released results saying that people spend 144 minutes a day on Facebook, the average person, which is two and a half hours. That's pre-lockdown. There's a potential that it's even higher than that now. And, and in terms of Facebook, then you've got your business page, which a lot of therapists do put the business page up. That's the one thing. And I think therapists are more likely to do that, again, because you already know the basics of how Facebook works. You could run a group or like run a Facebook group. So let's say that you are interested in working with women who are in the menopause. You can consider setting up a support group for women in menopause and just post your content there. It doesn't have to be posted out for everyone to see. And then the other one is Facebook ads. Now Facebook ads is, um, of course you have to pay for a Facebook ad, but I just want to show you what you get for your money. So if you're someone and you're like, do you know what, I don't want to start posting on social media regularly, but I do want to get some clients out of it. If that's the case, think about doing a Facebook ad because I'm just going to show you very quickly um, one of mine and what you get for it. So this was a Facebook ad. Some of you have seen this before if you've been on one of my courses. This is a Facebook ad that I put out when I was starting up a new um, binge eating therapy group. So I paid 30 pounds to promote this post. And for 30 quid, Facebook showed it to 27 and a half thousand people and 1400 people engaged with that post. 73 people clicked to my website, which is not bad for 30 quid. That is more than you would get with Google ads. And then out of this, I got a couple of people signed up to the group, but also I got a couple of individual clients out of it as well. Because although the post was about the group, there were people who were struggling with binge eating who didn't want to come and do a group, but they were suddenly realized that there's help available. So the advantage of something like a Google ad, um, sorry, Facebook ad, is that your post might appear in front of the right person at just the right time. With everything that's going on, I don't know how many people are trawling through psychology today and counseling directory trying to find someone. We know that they're spending more time on Facebook. So why not like just get yourself in front of these people? Um, so one of the downsides of Facebook is quite easy. It's not very easy to reach new people without paying. So you could be on your business page putting great content up and it's quite hard for people to find it. Whereas um, with Instagram, um, I don't know if everybody knows this, but Facebook owns Instagram. So it's the same company. So whenever I put a post on Instagram, it posts it onto my Facebook business page. So I don't really do anything on my Facebook business page apart from respond to any comments. Um, I'm doing all my stuff on Instagram and it's just popping it across for me. The, the downside with Instagram is you can't post external links. That means if you've got a blog post on your website, you can't do a post on Instagram and just put the link underneath it because it won't work. Someone, they can't even copy and paste the link. Instagram doesn't allow that. They would have to look at that link and then type it out letter by letter, which nobody's going to do. But with Instagram, you can have one um, external link in your profile. So that external link in your profile, think about when people click on that, where you would want to send them to. 
So if you're sending them to your website, do you want them to go to your landing page? For some people that seems to make sense, but let me actually, yeah, let me show you what I've done because rather than sending people to my landing page, people from, will be sent to my navigation page. So if someone's clicking through from um, Instagram, this is where they're going to arrive. Do you see what I mean? And it's just what Theo was talking about. So these are all internal links. Well, some of them are external. So that's going to take them to YouTube. That will take them to Amazon. But the rest of these are going to take them to different pages. So as Theo was saying, you want to make your website really easy for people to navigate. Because some people have seen me talking about groups. Sometimes it's a therapist coming along wanting to know if there's a workshop going on. And this way, people, it just makes it really easy and um, intuitive for them to use. Just a quick one from Albert, actually. He just said, yes. how, uh, how often would you do a Facebook ad? Um, for me, I only do a Facebook ad when I want to fill a group. But if, you, if I was a therapist and I wasn't getting enough clients, then I would just try out a few Facebook ads and see whether you were getting the clients in. So any time that you're thinking you would really like some clients, why not try running a Facebook ad? You know, I think you'll get way more than you will out of a Google ad. I have to agree. I did some Google ads in the past for therapists and mm. the, the return was about £1.30 a click. But there's a much, because they're not as engaged, they go, they pop to another website, whereas Facebook is a lot more engaging. They get a lot, a lot better value for your money. Yeah, exactly. 100%. And Instagram is so much easier to reach new people because whatever you're posting about, you create hashtags for, and there are people who follow these hashtags. And it's possible to do this on Facebook, but the audience on Facebook just don't use it for that. So for me, like one of my hash, some of the hashtags I use are like binge eating, binge eating recovery, binge eating disorder, binge eating disorder recovery, um, all the body image ones and that kind of thing. So with hashtags, um, you can play around a little bit and just see what works. But it just means that when you're using hashtags, somebody who's not following your page will probably get to see your posts that you posted under a particular hashtag. That makes sense. So then people will read your posts and if they like your stuff, they'll go to your page and then they might start following you and engaging with other stuff you're doing. And with them, um, people get quite carried away with like the number of followers they've got. But Instagram always prioritizes engagement over followers. And actually, if you have a lot of followers that people aren't really commenting or engaging with your posts, Instagram won't show your posts to as many people. They don't care how many followers you've got overall. They care that people are reading your posts, that they're spending more time on Instagram because they're taking the time to respond. Their whole job, Instagram's job, is to keep you on Instagram. So if you're helping Instagram to do that, they're going to like you and they're going to promote you more. And again, this opportunity to connect with other people who do what you do. That, for me, feels so much easier to do on Instagram. Um, there's much more, people are much more open to being approached on Instagram compared to Facebook. So, you know, you can send random messages out to people just telling them that you like their account, um, engaging with their stuff. And again, that comes back to the question I was asking you before about who your community is that you want to be a part of. And then a little bit on creating content itself. First of all, just spend some time watching what others do. So if, you're, if you leave today thinking, oh my goodness, I've got to start doing social media, I've got to set up an Instagram account, fine, set it up, but don't rush. There's no rush, you're not going to be left behind, there's plenty of space. 
and choose areas that interest you. As a therapist, you know, there are so many things that we could be posting about, so many things linked to like well-being or mental health, whatever it is. So I think because there are more and more therapists on Instagram, I would say like, who's your ideal client? What's the stuff you really like working with? You know, maybe like OCD really interests you. Maybe domestic violence or like um, abusive relationships is interesting to you. Whatever it is, I would make your account about that because it's just going to get the right people in and, and consider your target market when you do that. Because if you try and write to everybody, you'll end up reaching nobody because it won't really resonate. We're trying to be everything to everyone. Um, and it is such a big world on social media. There are millions and millions of people there. So no matter how niche you go, you're going to find people who are interested in your content. And again, create original content. There's a lot on um, social media of people resharing stuff, which is fine, like in the beginning and like when you're finding your feet and whatever you like. But certainly for me now, if I'm deciding whether to follow someone, I look at their profile. And if they're sharing stuff that's already on Instagram, I'm not going to follow them. I'm much more interested in people who are putting original content out there. And Instagram as well prioritizes original content. And then to keep it really simple. So when people are thinking like, well, if I'm creating content, I've got to do something really fancy and it's got to look perfect and all of that. And so I'm just going to show you someone who's kept it very simple. And this is someone who is a therapist who started Instagram way after me and is light years ahead. And if you look at her account, so she's a therapist, she's got nearly 20,000 followers on Instagram and it's really simple. It's not even using color. And if you look at one of her posts here, for example, how to trust choices, and she's just talking people through how to connect with their body. And then in her little micro, she's written about five or six paragraphs here. And the first bit, she's talked about her own experience. And then she's talking to other people, like, are you feeling loved? Are you this? So that willingness to, again, considering your stance on self-disclosure like how much are you happy to to disclose what are you comfortable with um and and when you're trying to figure out what should i create content on what's going on in your life at the moment if you're having a day where you're struggling with procrastination why don't you do a post on procrastination people are going to relate to it whatever you are going through at the moment there's going to be other people that are experiencing something similar so you're feeling like an imposter you're having some imposter syndrome create a post on that I think there's something about like when we're going through it ourselves, even if we don't directly say that, the way we write about it will be much more engaging. And that idea of sharing your personal perspective, even if you're not sharing your actual events in your personal life, will give people something to connect to. For creating images, me and Theo, we did the, um, the Power Hour, which is on Theo's website. You can go to Canva. That's the most straightforward one. There's pre-set up templates that you can use to create images. And I think most people on Instagram are using Canva. And to provide value, you'll get people that go on, on Instagram and every post is just trying to sell something. Every post is currently taking on new clients. Like, that's great, but why would people choose you? So if you want to, if you are looking for new clients, create a post, write about it. And then at the bottom of the post, just put a couple of lines saying, you know, currently available to take on new clients, but offer something of value first. 
Otherwise, people, they won't resonate with you and it doesn't give them a reason to choose you. And then lastly, these are just five things that from my personal experience, um, I want to leave you with around social media. The first one is to find a way to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, then maybe social media just isn't the right kind of platform for you to just do a couple of Facebook ads, just keep it really basic if that's what you want to do. But there's so many different ways of engaging on social media, whether you like writing. If you don't like writing, what about doing videos? You know, what about interviewing people and putting up little videos of interviews if you're someone who doesn't really enjoy creating content on your own? And the idea again of making connections. So you feel like when you go on, you are connected to something. You're not just chucking stuff out there and feeling like you're shouting into this empty online cave. Niche down. There's a saying in um, marketing or social media, I'm not sure where, they say niche down to blow up. That idea, you can't write for everyone. Well, you can, but you'll just end up with no one wanting to read it. So like I started off with general therapy stuff. Then I started talking about eating disorders. And now I'm right niche down to binge eating. And I've never had more engagement than when I've niched down. And so a good name will really help. When I started on um, Instagram, I was therapist in London. So I thought, well, that explains I'm a therapist and that I'm in London. That's what I need them to know. Um, and then I, I wanted something with binge eating. So briefly, I went with break free from binge eating. But there's so many profiles of people sharing their stories about binge eating. It didn't really convey what I wanted it to. And then I finally came, with, um, came up with the binge eating therapist which was perfect because the binge eating, it had the niche and the fact I'm a therapist. Those are the two, two things that I want to try and convey. And the name's important because if you comment on someone else's stuff, so if I'm commenting on someone else's post about binge eating, people who read my comments and see that name are much more likely to click on and see who I am than if I was just Sarah. Sarah. Really consider if you're gonna niche down, try and get the niche into your name but also try and somehow convey that you're a therapist too, because there'll be a lot of people talking about your niche that won't have the authority that being a therapist automatically gives you online and in the world. And the other thing is so many people think there's so many people out there on social media talking about this stuff that like, what can you contribute? Hasn't everything already been said? Probably, probably everything online has already been said, but we each have our unique way of saying things. And I really want to encourage other therapists that there is space for like your perspective, the way you think about things, the way you post about, even when you recycle an old post, quite often it hits people again in a different way because I've seen it six months ago. So those are the things that I would really want to leave you with around social media. And are there any questions about that or about social media in general as a therapist? Um, Pete asked about the, um, sorry, Pat asked about the difference between Facebook ads and boosting. And I was saying about how boosting wouldn't be worth your money and Facebook ads manager would be the way to go. Just wondered if you agree. No, <laughs> <laughs> that post I showed you was a boost. So it's still, when you're boosting um, a post, it's still an advert because you are still paying to promote a post, but there is something different, which is Facebook ads, which you can build up very niche from scratch. Mm -hmm. But I found that boosting a post is enough a lot of the time because you can choose your target audience. You can choose your um, budget. 
And I think quite often for what we need to do, I think if you are going to go down the Facebook ads line, I think it's really good when done properly, but I would recommend working with someone who knows their way around Facebook ads. For someone who doesn't know everything about or enough about Facebook ads, I think a boosted post is plenty. That's all I do at the moment. That's interesting. I've, I've never come across us. I might try a boost myself because I've always gone down the ads manager route. Mm-hmm. And another question from Lou just said, is there a website to help people form a name? So to form your brand name? No, not that I'm aware of. I mean, you can use a thesaurus and start playing around with different words. But you can always put your own name in it and then just... Um, it's like one of them that's come into my head, a woman who writes about anxiety. Hers is Danielle is anxious. Mm. So that's her name on Instagram. So straight away, it kind of gives you an idea of the kind of account you might be clicking on. And I think so. for me, it was about getting feedback, like asking not friends and family, but asking potential clients and people who you network with what they think of different names. Because I think your, your, your name might evolve over a couple of years as well. Yeah. So I've changed mine twice. So it's like just... It's not about getting it right. Just start off with something that seems to make sense and you can keep playing with that idea and change it. Because you change your name, you're not going to lose any followers. It all, you know, you keep everything on your account. Yeah, and I think people buy you as well. They start to trust you and no matter what your name is, they'll start to, to see you develop as well. Yeah. Um, Pat just commented saying he hasn't had no luck with Facebook Ads Manager. So maybe in your case, it might be worth trying Boost and see if the boosts are working better for you. Well, the other thing I would say, like about, it's not, it's no point boosting a post saying I'm here and I'm working, I'm a therapist and I'm having clients. There's no point doing that because I don't think many people, why would they choose you? They can find a therapist if they want a therapist. You need to create value. So I think the copy is so important and people think, well, if I just put it in front of people, someone will pick me. But like, what is it that you are offering? So I wouldn't even, I wouldn't boost a post as a gen for a general therapy. I would, think of a specific client in mind and write a post to that client and then it will resonate with some people because it's that idea of just trying to cast your net too wide and hoping that you'll catch something yeah and i think what you said about obviously finding something that interests you a lot of people i work with they struggle to write content especially therapists and health professionals as well but finding not what you think people want to hear but as you said what's affecting you in your day-to-day makes a huge difference yeah. You think, want people to read your, your copy and go, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> this person gets it. Whereas if you're just saying I'm an empathic therapist and I'm here, they don't, they, don't, they don't know if you get it or not. Yeah. And I think even for me, these power hours are some stuff I was doing with clients. And the fact that you're living it in the moment really helps you to, to give better advice and just to be, be more useful, add more value as well. Mm-hmm. And consider your business name on Facebook as well. So if mm-hmm. it's just a therapy title try and get that word in there, whatever it is that you want to work with. Um, and consider what photo you've got as well. Make sure it's a picture of your face, not a, um, not a nice nature picture on your Facebook ad, because if people are going to come and spill their secrets to you, what you look like, feeling like they know what they're going to see, it matters. Hmm. Any other questions from the group at all on obviously Sarah's, Sarah's content? Nope. Thank you, Sarah. That was really helpful. Um, I might, you know, the content slide. Do you mind if I share? We share that on Facebook as well. Yeah, of course. Because I think that uh, that's actually really, really useful. Um, is there anything else that people would like to cover in a future session? Something in marketing or in your own your own business you'd like to look at? 
Oh, there was. Uh, actually, I wanted to ask Sarah something. Hello, can you hear me, Sarah? I can hear you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you start off with um, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter? Which one did you start off first, or did you test them out one at a time, or did you test all of them out? I think I probably created a Facebook business page and just had my friends and family like it. <laughs> right. But then I started playing around with Instagram, and that for me was where it. It took off. So you found that niche for your type of thing that you did through being on Instagram rather than yeah. Facebook? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. No and just something else. I don't know if most of you deal with mental health, but obviously next week is the National Mental Health Week. So if you're looking for some inspiration, it might be worth just seeing the posts that are out there and maybe putting them into your own Trello or pocket board because there's going to be a lot more uh, content over the next week than ever before, really. Don't know, Sarah, do you use um, examples from other people just as well? So would you create your own Trello or your own pocket? Um, I haven't had that. I, haven't, I hadn't really heard of Trello until you'd mentioned it a few weeks ago and I hadn't looked into it. So possibly, I think it would probably be quite a good tool for me to, because I often get ideas and then forget them. Yeah, I think I topics as well. Like if there's a certain subject you want to cover, it's just a, a gentle reminder. Yeah, and that's because I often get messages from people and I'm like, yeah, I'll cover that. And then I get a prompt a couple of weeks later because I've forgotten to cover it. So, yeah, I think that would probably be a good idea for me to do that. And I think also with social, just to try and do a little bit every week. So don't worry about doing a huge amount to start. Just like small and often and stuff that interests you is a nice way to kind of get into the flow. Yeah, and if you're not in the mood, like don't... I went through a phase for a while where I posted every day. And sometimes I just resented doing it every day. So now if I go a few days and I haven't, like, I don't care. I want to make sure that I'm in the right mind space when I sit down and I actually feel like doing it. Mm. And that, that's fine. I mean, as long as you're not leaving massive gaps, which I think you know, the algorithms probably don't like. But most of the time, especially with Instagram, it will boost your post depending on the initial response. So when you post something, like how much activity it gets in the first hour, will dictate how many more people respond to it. So the more people that engage, the more people it then shows it to, and that's all for free, which is why asking questions, anything that starts a conversation on social media is really, really important. You don't have to have the answer. Like, ask what other people think. People love to give their opinion, especially on social media. That was a question I was going to ask then. What time, when's the best time to post on those particular platforms? Mm -hmm. That's Theo and Sarah, because um, that's a good one to ask. Yeah, it depends on your channel, really. So if you're, so you're a web designer, obviously. If you're a therapist, it might be late at night. So I did quite well posting between 8 and 11 p.m. when people are home after work. But if you're looking for businesses, it might be middle of the day. You just okay. have to test that's it good. and engage when people are, enge uh, people are like, responding. Sarah, do you find like evenings work for you or...? Well, because on Instagram, you can look at your um, audience and you can see what times they're normally online. And so for me, the later I post, the more people are online. So me, the optimum time for me to post is at 9 p.m. Oh, perfect. I had it right then. Good. <laughs> Just a message in the chat. Oh. Uh, Marie had to, had to make a move. See you later, Marie. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
and yeah so if any of you aren't subscribed to the the fortnightly newsletter if you can let me know and i can send you a copy of this as well so there'll be this video plus the presentations and then if you want it there'll also be the audio um if you got my email i'll just put it in the chat and then i can just reply as soon as it's ready obviously i prefer if you subscribe to the newsletter but i understand if you, if you don't want to um Sarah, any kind of like final thoughts before we sign off? Um, I think for me, like the big thing is to find a way to make it fun and interesting. And to not seriously like play around and find stuff that works and what doesn't work, especially in the beginning. So, and connect with people because that is be a huge part of like what will inspire you. You'll see another post and that will just inspire a thought for you. And then you can use that thought to create a new post. So yeah, find people that are interested in similar things to you that will really help you kind of expand your thinking. And that's again, you can uh, use Pocket to save people's business pages. So if you come across someone related to your industry, just save them for later and just keep a check on them. And, and as you mentioned, like uh, um, answering questions on other people's threads. So I've done quite well. Someone asked about a website or SEO. Most of my work from Facebook would come from just helping other people, just short, short kind of answers. Albert, are you, do you have a Facebook business page? Have you been, been active on there recently? Sorry. Sorry, you were muted. Sorry, right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm multitasking here. I was just looking to be your um, link to see whether I was subscribed to your uh, uh, site. What was the question, <laughs> sorry? Oh, so I was just asking just in general if people are using their Facebook business pages, if any of you have one set up and you're kind of active on it. I guess I have. I mean, I was listening to, to Sarah's comment just now. Um, I've, I've worked in organisations all my life and I've just come into private practice. So I'm sort of catching up. I've just put a design and put a, a website up for three of us, three therapists, um, and used the uh, Wix uh, uh, platform. Um, and uh, I keep going into the business thing and I, uh, on Facebook and I, and I keep coming out again because I, I, I look at it and I, I get horrified and I think, oh, all that information about me, I don't really want everybody to know about that and I certainly don't want them to see my face. But slowly, slowly, I'm getting over <laughs> the phobia of that a little bit. Um, but I, I just get confused as to what I'm seeing is whether other people are seeing it. Uh, so, um, and I have had comments because I, I do exactly as Sarah did, you know, I send them all out to all my friends and family uh, for them to like it. Mm. <laughs> but I've had comments about that. Could you do something more than keep changing this? <laughs> comments from my friends and family. <laughs> I, I say, yes, I will. But, uh, the, but uh, I often see the Facebook uh, business page and then there's some of my private my private page stuff is on there. So is that only available to me or is that available to public? That's, that's so, my... Yeah, on your Facebook business page, there's a view as uh, public. So you can, when you log in, you see it as if you're the, the, the manager, the administrator. Right. But there's a little eye icon where you can select a view as, as a guest, basically. Okay. It'll change the order of things and it'll change the way that things look so you can see which posts um, are being highlighted. Right. And obviously, if you've done, say, a post each week, if someone's commented on a previous post, that would normally push that one to the top. Mm -hmm. So as Sarah was saying about engaging on posts, that's a way to 
to revive old content is to to have someone question or to comment on it. Mm -hmm. um, also, because you're on Wix, I've just um, if I've mentioned earlier the, the the link to how to do your SEO for Wix. Mm. If you check the chat, I've just sent you the link there as well. Um, I'll have a look at that because I came in late to this, uh, but I will catch up with some of the things I've missed. The um, I mean, I think I struggled a lot with Wix to begin with. Uh, this is completely new to me because, as I say, working in, in organisations where there's somebody sitting behind me and I can just say, I want this done, is it okay? And then they sort it out and come back to me. Mm. So it's been a tortuous journey since just before Christmas. Um, and then I found that uh, on Wix they've got this uh, uh, support called ADI, is it? ADI, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, which actually helped me tremendously to, to get things and put things in order and kind of uh, set out the SEOs and things like that. So I found that really, really useful. So if anybody's out there um, starting off, um, it's great. I loved it. Um, but yeah, I think the, uh, the other thing that, the other thing that I think I wrote the comment was that when I, published the page um it took a while before it actually appeared on uh, google mm -hmm. although it said it had been it was told you that it immediately been published i i thought that that was it it was out there already but actually there's a there's a time lapse um so although it's the internet it's not that quick um so uh, and the other thing is that i can't often find the page and i'm wondering why that is so if i just put in the title of the uh, the web page, it doesn't always come up, so I have to add other words to it to find it. Uh, there's a few things you can do. So, uh, I mean, SEO is quite a complex topic, yeah. uh, but there's something called a sitemap. And once you create your site, you'd have um, I can send you a link to how to do this, but you'd submit yeah. your sitemap to Google, right. and that will basically push all of your information to Google. Because if you just uh, list it on Wix, you have to wait for Google to scan your site to index yeah. it. And that can take up to say three to four months. Okay. Um, but obviously, if you just type in your web, your brand name, yeah. you can compete with other people. If you type in your domain name without the .com, you'll get a direct link to your site. Okay. Your domain is take the .com off, and yeah. you'll have everything for your site. Plus, you'll have your Google Maps included. Okay. But obviously, that's not uh, a user, a potential client wouldn't just type in your your domain. But that's a nice way yeah. for you to find it yourself. Mm. but we're, do, we're doing other sessions on uh, SEO like there's different things you can do to help yourself with that okay cool thanks very much for that okay. can I check I think Roxana's got a hand up I don't know if you've got a question Roxana um, hi no I think it's sort of my question is gone at the moment uh, but what I really want to say like how much I'm really learning um, Everything is sort of, not necessarily new, but I started with doing my own website and doing this business page on Facebook. So I would really appreciate in the future, if that would be possible, for instance, to sort of pick one topic and go through one session. Because at the moment, I feel like I've got so many questions that I don't really want to stop, stop, the, <laughs> stop the game going. But I would really, really appreciate if we can go, for instance, for how to make our website more visible on Google or, or the key how to set up the business page. Okay. Well, we've actually, on the um, Ealing Freelancers group, we've got like a poll. So people would kind of vote on what topics they want to cover. So okay, if, yeah. So if you can either email to me or put on that group and then I'll, I'll uh, pick, pick, one for, <laughs> pick one for each week. Um, this was more of a, a general kind of like a taster. Uh, but we will be breaking out 
say Trello, your SEO into individual whole hour sessions? Sure, I understand. Perhaps it would be better in this case if I sort of go on your website first, see what I can find, why I understand what I don't, and then I contact you because otherwise you probably covered all the topic, all the questions that I have. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the marketing guides, anything that's missing, mm-hmm. just, you know, I mean, I'm doing the things that I love. Again, as Sarah said, I'm doing the things that I enjoy first. If there's something you'd like us to cover, then I'll look into it. Awesome. I think website presence and visibility online is a major topic. Yes, exactly. And I feel very lost and very little in it. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> it does take I say, it does take time. It, it, it mm. was like a six-month kind of process to kind of become more visible and be active on there. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Thank cool. you. Thank you. And Albert just shared a link, uh, how to submit your sitemap for Wix. Thank you, Albert. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. So that's uh, what I mentioned before about getting your sitemap pushed to Google. Mm. Is anyone not using Wix or Gandhi or is anyone on WordPress? Nope, no WordPress. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, mine's on WordPress. Okay, yeah, I was just saying, so you should definitely check out Rank Math. Um, R-A-N-K-M-A-T-H. It's a really good SEO plugin. And at least for me, it's the best one I've found out of about 50 options. So even better than using Yoast? Uh, It's the same as Yoast Pro, but it's a bit easier to use. So if you saw when I screen shared and you've got SEO and it gives you that, the green checklist. Yeah. If you're doing things yourself, it's just, it's a much more advanced user-friendly version of Yoast. Because when you started talking about H1 and all that, I and you showed your screen, that made no sense to me. I've never seen that before. Uh, yeah, that's because you get the advanced, you get the pro features of Yoast with Rank Math. And again, okay. you'd have to worry about your H2s, all the extra features. Just have one H1 for each page. And you can do that by just selecting the title and then under, under the settings, select H1. Right, again, okay. That is more than what most people are doing. Thank you. Um, I can send you a link to Rank Math as well if you want. There's a, you have to go to a separate website to get it. Yes, I don't, I don't go near what's happening in the background of my web page. Otherwise, my webman will have my guts for garters. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to um, ask him about that and see what he makes of it. Yeah, I mean, I've sent the link in the chat. So just mention Thank it. Thank you. Get, I'd be good yeah. to get his opinion as well. Yeah, great stuff. Thank you very much. Thank you. Is that Rank Map a free one? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same as the paid version of Yoast, but it's free. And it's, it plugs in with Elementor. So if you're using Elementor, it's a really nice little tie-in. And it's like, you get the same features of Wix and Squarespace uh, by going to your SEO settings. But this is just a bit more, um, more detailed. Anything else in the chat? I think, let's have a look. Can you use both Yoast and Rank Math at the same time? No, they conflict. Any plugin, you want to have one of a certain topic, so if it's speed or SEO. Yeah. You never have one, otherwise they kind of fight against each other. So you have to test one, see what works for yourself then, is that right? Yeah, exactly. And you can test one, then do the Neil Patel, and that will give you your score. And then you can gauge which one is working better for your site. Right. But my, again, my go-to, I used to lo- love Yoast, but then when I found Rank Math, it's like a, just the upgrade. Does Rank Math give you more than Yoast? I get, yeah, it's like the pro, it's like the paid version of Yoast, but it's, it's easier if you're using Elementor. Well, that's good to know then, isn't it? Yeah. If it's the better than Yoast then, and it's free. Everybody likes free, don't they? Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, um, one thing for your SEO is when you share a link, say share a link to your homepage, you can select the image that's displayed on your on the Facebook link or on your Twitter. So you might have shared shared your page and there's a weird icon coming up. Uh, you'd use your SEO to change that to make it relevant. So if you wanted to have your face or a particular um, logo, for example, you would use your SEO plugin to do that. That was complicated, that one, Leo. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that was a bit complicated, I think. <laughs> it's just, um, it, when, when you share a link, I can send you an example. But yeah, I've got a good site for that, what, they, what you're trying to do. Hang on. Uh, hold on. I'll just share the screen very quickly. This is more for if you're doing a lot of work on social. Um, one second. So you can see, and any builder, it will give you your social, um, when you share a link, how your social share is displayed. So I've chosen to use the cover art for the event, but you can just go in and you can replace the image that's displayed when you share on social. So if you're highlighting an event on Facebook, just make sure that image is what you want, want it to be. And you can have one for Facebook and then one for Twitter. Is that rank math? Yeah, but you can do that in any, okay. in any plugin. You can do that on Wix, on Squarespace, but most people don't take, take the time to do that. But for a major event or for a major page, it's worth doing. I don't know, Lou, have you got your hand up or no? Oh, sorry. No, I haven't. <laughs> Sarah, do you want to close and then we'll catch up next week? Yeah, sure. So thank you, everybody, for coming today. Uh, I hope you found it useful. If afterwards you think of something, you think, damn it, I wish I'd asked that, then send me or Theo a message and we'll do our best to answer it. But, um, and, and, and as Theo said, if you have any ideas for other things you'd like to see covered in a bit more detail, Hmm. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank very you. Very useful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very Take much. Care. Bye bye. 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 Cheers.